You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the City of Man podcast. My name is Coyle Neal and I am an associate professor of political science at Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri. Joining me today is uh, Nathan Gilmore, an English teacher at North Gwinnett High School. Dr. Nathan Gilmore, I sh- I'm sorry, I shouldn't drop that off your title. Uh, <laughs> although in my defense, you did not put it in the outline here. So, True enough, true enough. I, I usually try not to call myself that. It just seems pretentious. Well, you could go the uh, the the boarding school route and still be a professor, right? I mean, I'm I'm reading Harry Potter to my kids these days. It, it's done. Oh, there you go, there you go. No, some people have suggested that, and I, I it just doesn't seem right. I, you know, I, I and it's funny because uh, some of the high schoolers will call me Doctor Gilmore, and some will just call me Mister Gilmore, and you know, it, just like it was in college, I don't care. So, do you we do just you make them? Rolling. Do you make them call you Nathan? No, I do not. In fact, I don't let them. <laughs> That's fair. I, I genuinely, even at the college level, I genuinely don't care. My only mild hesitation is that once you open the door on the first name to the college students, it never closes. Like I had a yeah, true enough. I mean, I had, a, I had a professor when I was an undergrad who was Duncan, and it didn't matter that he was you know seventy five years old. Like he was, he was <laughs> never going to be anything other than that. And I kind of right. took that as a cautionary tale. Not again. I don't care, but maybe I will thirty years from now. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you are uh, you. Did you pitch today's episode, or did I pitch today's episode? Right? Uh, I think that you pitched the broad idea, and then I kind of uh, laid down some details. So, I mean, you know, what what we're going to be talking on about today, listeners, is the recent uh, Colorado and Maine challenges to Donald Trump's place on the presidential ballot. And you know, I, I found this fascinating because. Uh, you know, the Colorado case at any rate, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the main case, which neither of us has paid as much attention to, uh, you know, in due course. But uh, it, it's predicated on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And when I heard that on, you know, the first couple podcasts that mentioned it, uh, I said, I have no idea what that means. I mean, I thought the 14th sure. Amendment was due process, you know. That's how I'd, I'd always learned it. So I'm, I'm going to start out, Coyle, just by reading the text of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Quote, No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, but Congress by may a vote may by a vote of two thirds of each house remove such disability. End quote. So the uh, clause, or I guess the phrase, really the modifying phrase that you know they seem to be sitting on. Uh, is, you know, shall have engaged in insurrection or a rebellion against the same. So 
the argument seems to be that because uh, when sworn in, uh, Donald John Trump uh, swore to uphold the Constitution and then, uh, you know, was involved in ways that these courts deemed disqualifying in the events of uh, December 6, 2021, that therefore he has uh, taken, and let me make sure I got the language precise, he has engaged in resurrection, resurrection, wow, has engaged in insurrection. <laughs> he would probably say resurrection also. Let's, let's be honest. He probably would, yes. But that since he has engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, therefore he is disqualified. So uh, as far as you know, Coyle, uh, is the main uh, case also predicated on this same section of the 14th Amendment? Yeah, I, I just know less. I mean, I, it would have to be, right? I, I know I less about yeah. the main case. I, I can't imagine that they're going to, I mean, whatever other parts of the country. They're not saying he's under, he's actually under 35 years old. He identifies as a 25-year-old, right. therefore. Right, uh, yeah, right. I, I, I mean, it, it must be this one. I the, the very little bit I know about the main case is it was a, uh, it was a Secretary of State decision working with a, uh, a bipartisan commission from, I think, the state legislature, uh, Okay. But, of course, bipartisan is kind of flexible in its meaning. Technically, the January 6th commission was bipartisan, but I don't know that you'd really say it well represented the Republicans. So, Right, right. Uh, it did have a Cheney involved. It, it did. Uh, <laughs> there, there, were, there were two Republicans on it, but they were not right, the rank and right. file of the Republican Party these days. Uh, so, right, yeah, I, just, I, know, right. I know less about Maine. Um, I'm sort of interested in, in how you think about that uh, as an English professor, though. So... Uh, uh, the district judge in the Colorado case uh, made mm-hmm. a lot of uh, made a lot of hay. I think I think rightly out of the uh, the list of names there. So does it does it? This isn't sorry, Nathan. This isn't our, on our outline, but I'm uh, I'm going to ask you anyway. Does no, it matter right. that right. uh, does it matter that president is not mentioned? So the uh, the there's a list of these discrete offices that you're not allowed to run for: senator, representative, uh, elector of president and vice president. Uh, but president and judge are not on the list. Uh, is is that relevant? Right, uh, right. And in and, all and, state you know, offices, from what, right? From what I have heard, and again, you know, this is mainly on podcasts, uh, is that you know they are taking the phrase uh, "any office, civil or military," to include president, right? Right. Uh, which you know, I mean. Uh, that strikes me as a as an odd inclusion, to be sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that it is relevant that uh, you know this exclusion from uh, office includes senator and representative, but doesn't include, uh, for instance, Supreme Court justice. It doesn't include president. It doesn't include vice president. Although it does include electors of the same. So, you know, I mean. First of all, I mean, you know, I, I uh, when I heard about these things, I mean, almost immediately they said this is going to go to the Supreme Court of the United States, and I thought, okay, I mean, you know, that's a uh, that's a very easy decision for them to come to. You know, it seems like when uh, Roberts, you know, became the Chief Justice these 20 years ago, one of the things that he was most interested in was keeping the Supreme Court out of any further presidential elections. Uh, so I mean, you know. Uh, We'll talk about this again, you know, here in a little bit. But, I mean, it just strikes me that the Supreme Court's not going to be interested in this. But, yeah, I mean, you know, when I read this, it seems like uh, it does mention some high offices like senator and representative, but it doesn't mention president. So, um, no, I I mean, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think the I think the sort of obvious follow up to that is uh, this is this is clearly at least in part about the Civil War. And I I don't know that we're going to say. 
Robert E. Lee could not have run for representative or senator, but you know he could run for president. I mean, that, once you once you phrase it like that, you know yeah, now now yeah. we're now now we're we're pretty clear that even though it's not on the list, it is included, but it doesn't say it. So that that has to mean something. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, Coyle, I mean, you know, one of the things I'm curious about, and you know, if you, if you don't have the historical background on this, that's fine. But uh, you know. Did anyone ever actually have to invoke this part of the 14th Amendment in the 1860s, 1870s, 1880s? So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know the general answer there. I know that state constitutions from during, during Reconstruction kind of did this themselves. Uh, So uh, you have, you have state governments as part of their readmission to the union are required to put in place the, uh, the ironclad oath uh, where you, you swear that you never supported the Confederacy in any way whatsoever. Okay. Uh, and if if you of course if you served in the Confederate military by definition you can't swear that oath, uh, so you're you're not allowed to vote you're not allowed to run for office just depending on which state you're in that's that's more or less restrictive. Uh, that also here's here's the historical trivia. That's also when we see the first African American representatives and senators elected uh, in the United States, uh, sure, almost sure. entirely out of the Deep South because the only people who are allowed to vote are the freed slaves. Uh, that the northern army is and and northern soldiers who are living in the south that they're they're kind of mm-hmm. making sure that these these restrictions are voted. I don't know if there was a federal version of that. I don't know if Congress passed some some variation on that, especially once uh, Reconstruction ended and those went away. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just I don't have the historical background to know beyond that. I got you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was just curious because I mean, you know, I haven't seen that mentioned in any of the news stories about you know the the Trump case. That you know, the last time this was invoked was in 1882, when you know, yeah. uh, it, it it seems like someone would have run that down. But I mean, I've never seen anyone mention another. Uh, I mean, another reference to Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment. So yeah, I mean, it, it I, seems like this might be a novum. I, I know there's no law about it. I, it doesn't mean that there's uh-huh. not some executive action or some policy. I mean, there there, there are other ways to do things. I'm oh, pretty sure, sure there's no and, law. And here. I wasn't even thinking that that uh, formal. I was just thinking, I mean, you know, was there ever, for instance, you know, a Louisiana politician uh, who had served in the Confederate Army and 30 years ago tried to run for the, you know, the U.S. House of Representatives, you know, after Reconstruction had ended, you know? And I, I just don't know that. So Okay, all right. So listeners, I mean, you know, those of you who are uh, American historians listening to this, if you've got a... Uh, a precedent that uh, you can think of, you know, by all means, email us and let us know. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, another thing that occurs to me um, is that, you know, I mean, when we're talking about this, it's it's another one of those things that, I mean, you know, I would, I would put the Mueller investigation under this. I would put, you know, um, both of the, frankly, ill-conceived Im- impeachment attempts under this. I mean, it seems like another instance where, and and I don't want to name a group. I want to say that, you know, different parties in America have been simultaneously so concerned about the potential of another Trump presidency and also um, so lacking in confidence that, you know, the available Democrats can beat him in a straight election that they're trying to, I mean, what seems like parlor tricks, uh, circus stunts to try to keep him from running so that there is, you know, a, 
Well, I mean, frankly, I mean, it, was, it seems like they're trying to stack the deck very poorly. I mean, is 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 that the sense that you get? Or you know, one one thing that you know always interests me, Coyle, is that you know when you talk on this podcast and other places about electoral politics, I mean, you're you're just pretty frank about you know, well, yeah, the parties try to make it harder for the other party to win, and that's just what politics is. Uh, I I think I've got more of a a lofty view of it that um, it's better if you don't try that junk. <laughs> well, and I. So, so far, uh, Maine, Colorado is kind of a purplish state. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's unlikely to go for Trump if he's the Republican nominee, but, you know, okay, maybe. Uh, Maine is also kind of a purplish state. It, it often will split. So it, they split their electoral votes uh, where uh, uh, occasionally one party will get, like, one of them and the other party will get the other two or three. I forget how right, many they have. Right, right. Uh, so, it, but, but it's... it's uh, it's not, you know, Michigan or, or Arizona or Ohio. It's not the, the swing states that are doing this. So right. in, in that sense, is this just political grandstanding is probably more the question. Like it's not, okay. it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily going to, uh, to mean anything. I also don't know. And here's where I, I should have done a little more research. This is, I think the primary ballot that's in question here. So I don't know what that means moving forward if trump is the republican nominee uh can you be on the general ballot if you're not on the primary ballot in colorado i have no idea what their state law looks like there uh right uh with that said if this is if this is an attempt if this is a democratic attempt to keep trump off the ballot it's a it's a weird one um (laughs) Like it, uh-huh. It's a weird thing for them to want to do, because I think Biden has much more difficulty beating anyone but Trump. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the same thing with the Republicans. I, I think if, uh, I mean, I, I guess maybe there's, if I'm really conspiratorially minded, you know, the, the real powers behind this are the are the rhinos, right? The, the Republicans in name only, mm-hmm. uh, who just mm-hmm. don't want to have to deal with Trump in the primary. So they're they're trying to stir up the Democrats to get them removed. So there, there's your conspiracy theory. I guess I haven't seen that anywhere, but it wouldn't surprise me if it exists. So right, right. I, I don't know that that's if, if it's the Democrats trying to use shenanigans to keep Trump off of the ballot, I don't see how that works for them. Like if they get what they want and Trump is off the ballot, it's going to be some other Republican. And uh-huh. I don't, I don't know the Biden beats Nikki Haley. I don't know that he beats Ron DeSantis. Uh, right, I don't know that right. he beats whoever ends up be- being the, the candidate. They're the only two left at this point. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I I certainly hear that that's shenanigans by the Democrats from the Republicans, but I don't see the logic behind it. Right, right. And, and I wasn't even thinking of a party-wide thing. I'm, I'm just thinking of, you know, particular judges uh, and particular secretaries of state, you know, I mean, basically, you know, trying to do... I mean, you know, to, to give it a sympathetic reading, you know, try to engage in sort of heroic, you know, Perry Mason tricks right. in order to right. save America, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, that that just strikes me as weird because, I mean, it, it would be so much more decisive uh, simply to let the election play out and let, you know, Donald Trump lose at the ballot box. Right. If he if he's gonna lose, right? I mean, that's I suppose that's the uh, the gamble. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think you can make a stronger case for that with some of the uh, the court cases out there where you have elected prosecutors who are 
quite obviously running for office, either their own office over again or higher office, by uh-huh. coming up with these nothing charges uh, that that I will be very, very surprised if they stand up either in the court they're in or on appeal. Mm. Uh, right, right. I, I think there's a stronger argument for that there, uh, but I, I, yeah, I just, I... If there is that sort of logic behind it, it is it is hidden for me. It doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, mm-hmm. And if I were the the, rab- the the if I were the devout Trump supporter, I would say, well, they just hate him and they're doing anything they can to go after him. And maybe there's some truth to that. I'm sure there are people who just utterly despise Trump and will, you know, absolutely you know spit at signs on the road when they drive by them just because they can. Again, I I, I don't know that that's the case either. Right. Right. Well, to return to the to the language of Section Three again, I mean, one of the things that, uh, again, you know, because I I'm approaching this uh, completely as a new thing, I've I've never paid any attention to Section Three of the Fourteenth yeah. Amendment. No, no one has, right? Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe after the Civil War, but certainly in the last hundred years, it's not been right, anything right. we've thought about. But I mean, the language in that, I mean, seems to indicate that there is a public agreement that someone has has taken place. Or, to, or engaged in rebellion or insurrection, right? Uh, and again, I mean, to go back to your point earlier, uh, those people who had, you know, sworn oaths in the Confederate military, those people who had, you know, presumably been sworn in as, you know, public officials in the Confederate States of America, those are in public documents. Those are, you know, uh, pretty clear matters, right? This one, I mean, it seems like it is, you know, well, first of all, I mean, you know, as far as I know, and you can correct me on this, uh, no one has actually charged Donald Trump with the crime of insurrection. Uh, I think that inciting a riot was the grounds for the impeachment, the 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 second impeachment, I should say. Uh, right. And, you know, that's not identical with insurrection, is it? Or are those basically synonymous legally? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that question legally. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't know... So uh, again, one of the uh, the unclear things that's come out of this uh, out of this uh, this this whole affair is even what's required to establish that, even who is is in charge of establishing that. So the the amendment at the end of it says Congress can can uh, can undo the disability. So maybe there there should be a congressional path. Maybe Congress is the arbiter of that. Uh-huh. Uh, Maybe it's state legislatures. Maybe it's the court system. I mean, certainly being convicted of insurrection with whatever that looks like uh, would be like that would be a disqualifier. But that doesn't mean it's the only one. Okay. Uh, and again, okay. this is this is all uh, all new territory for us. And okay. I, so I mean, th- this really isn't something that has any kind of precedent. Uh, again, not, not that I'm aware of. So okay. uh, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> What what do we do? Certainly, there are people who have been guilty of found uh, been found guilty of things that are like insurrection or treason or or something along to that rebellion against the same. So, if Ted Kaczynski had decided he wanted to run for president, right? Uh-huh. Uh, would uh, uh, would he have been allowed to do so? Okay. Uh, I actually I was just trying to Google. I have no idea what they what they convicted him of, other than I assume murder and blowing things up. But I don't know right, what the actual. Right what the actual conviction was, was, of. well, and, and, you know, I mean, because it was, you know, he was sending bombs by mail. Was that a federal crime? Uh, I mean, because it did involve the postal service. I mean, you know, homicide is usually a state law rather than a federal law. 
But, you know, if it involved the Postal Service, I mean, you know, was there some federal crime that was also involved there? Right. Uh I mean, you can you can com- you can commit insurrection against a, a state government. Also, most uh, yeah. most state constitutions have some kind of provision for for treason and insurrection. Uh, again, I, I th- these are further questions that we are now having to face because of Donald Trump, uh, and because of the reactions to Donald Trump. It's not like right, Trump right. started this part of it. This is a this is a reaction to him. It's not a bunch of Trump Trump supporters out there saying we need to do this. Right. Right. Well, let's turn, I mean, you know, because one of the things that concerns me on a political level, getting beyond the legal, because, you know, we're both obviously swimming in deeper waters than we should be legally. And it seems like most of the people commenting on this on public are doing likewise because there doesn't seem to be any precedent. But politically, I mean, you know, this strikes me as just a, again, if my theory's right, and, you know, I mean, I think yours is just as good as mine that, you know, um, it's it, it's something motivated by a party, but if I'm right that this is you know someone trying to be the the heroic you know mastermind that tries to save America through you know clever use of the Colorado Supreme Court or the uh, you know main uh, Secretary of State's office, uh, you know it strikes me that you know I mean this is the kind of tool, the kind of instrument, the kind of weapon that you don't want to put in the hands of the other party. But I mean, you know, as, as with so many things here in the last eight years, as people have just lost their minds, uh, it doesn't seem like people think that far ahead. They don't think as far ahead as to say, you know, I mean, could, um, you know, our next democratic candidate that we actually like, cause you know, of course, Joe Biden is not a popular guy, even among Democrats right now. Uh, could the next Democrat that we actually like, fall victim to this sort of thing if we set this precedent. I mean, yeah, that's, is, is this just another complete lack of foresight, or is there something more to this? Is is there a chess game going on that I'm missing, Coyle? Uh, there, uh, if there is, again, I'm also missing it. Uh, we, <laughs> okay. we live in the moment of, this is so horrible, we have to do this thing now, uh, no matter because the other side is worse, right? Uh, we, right. we have to do this thing right now. Uh, or else, and and we can't really stop to give thought to the future because the the alternative right now is so terrible. Uh, we're on that that sort of moment of brinksmanship where everyone should take a step back and say, "Hey, is this really a good idea?" And no one is no one is willing to do it. Uh, now, with that said, I don't know that this is. I don't know that I agree with you that this particular event uh, keeping keeping a candidate off of the ballot in the state. I don't know that it's that. Uh, I, in part because there are so many states that are so closely divided. So mm-hmm. even if all of the solid red and solid blue states do a version of this, so even if all of the blue states say no more mainline Republicans on the ballot, and if all of the red states say we'll find no more uh, mainline Democrats on the ballot, uh-huh. uh, if nothing else, like it's it's an opportunity for the purple states to be the adults in the room. Uh, and to say, hey, we're we're going to keep moving with this, uh, and there are right, enough of right. them that that might actually mean something. So, I don't. I'm not as panicked over this. I'm still in the. This is just kind of a. Uh, this is an interesting political idea that we, an interesting uh, political conversation we should have. Uh, right. There are other things that I'm more nervous about. This isn't one of them. Now that said. The reaction of Trump supporters or the reaction of the anti-Trump crowd, that always has me a little bit nervous, right? At, at what point is, is one of them going to get nutty and do something that they shouldn't? Uh, man, I don't, that, that yes, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with. But 
the issue itself, no, this is fine. So you don't think this is going to be a precedent that's going to pose any kind of danger in the future? I think it it might be a precedent if it goes somewhere, uh, but I, okay. at this point, I don't see a major danger with it. Uh, again, because it's it, it's hard to see it's hard to see the states that aren't utterly dominated by one party doing it. Okay, if that makes all sense. right, all right. I, I well, but I mean, except that you know, you started out our discussion saying that Colorado is purplish. So. I, I mean, it is. It's it's. I don't know when the last time it voted for a Republican was. I don't know if they voted for for Bush back in uh, in 2000 or not. But right. uh, okay, that makes some sense. It that is it sense. is purple, but it shades pretty like it's it's moving in the blue direction. Yeah, that, uh, just that like makes some sense. Missouri used sense. to be purple. We're still kind of purple, but we're also in the red direction. Uh, sure, the, sure. So yeah, again, I'm I'm not as concerned with with I'm not as concerned with these specific actions. Okay. Uh, or, or with this precedent again, maybe someone will figure out some some other political trick and they'll find a way to do it. Even the purple states also, uh, but we're not there yet. That makes some sense. That makes some sense. So I mean, as far as and and again, I'm asking you to predict the future here, and say what human beings are going to do, which is always a sucker's game. But I'm always wrong. I've been wrong about that since 2016, <laughs> and that that has not changed. Oh man, I, I and and I got to tell this story, Coil. But uh, the the afternoon of election day um there was a uh, wedding shower for a couple of students of mine and uh, i was walking with a colleague of mine you know over to the wedding shower I was there on campus at the college where we taught and uh you know she was saying you know i'm really kind of worried about you know this election you know i mean this could be really bad if trump wins and and i i told her i said uh you know i mean i heard those access hollywood tapes i've been to churches I was there in 1998. Uh, there is no way that all the church-going people of America are going to vote for this guy now that they've heard that tape. <laughs> Hillary Clinton's going to win by 30 points, and we're going to wake up tomorrow in the most overwhelming Democratic victory in our lifetimes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I am a historically bad predictor of, of elections. I mean, we, we all got that one wrong, and <laughs> many, many times since then I've been wrong at predictions, too. So, oh, I, but, so you can you can ask me, but, one. yeah. I mean, is there any chance that the Supreme Court's going to look at this Colorado decision and say, yeah, a state Supreme Court can do that? So I am assured by at least one crowd out there that uh, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Barrett will be so overwhelmed with gratitude uh, to Donald Trump for their their prediction that they will they will just take his side, uh, and of oh, course goodness. Roberts and Thomas are going to fall in line too. So you know he's he's deaf. Now that that argument is always in response to or not always, but is is in response to you know me trying to bring up the merits of the case. Uh, so uh, right, right, I don't know. I I don't know what the court is going to do. Uh, even the the court is weird. Uh, it's it, I I don't think it's bad. I actually kind of like what the court's been doing lately. Uh -huh. But its its habit has been deference to the states. So uh, point taken. Point taken. I would I would kind of assume what they're going to say is uh, the real the part of the Fourteenth Amendment that we also tend to just gloss over that's really relevant here is going to be Section Five. Uh, so Section 5 says Congress has the power to do all of this, to enforce everything in this amendment. Uh, by law, Congress has not done so, and because Congress has not done so, whatever the state says goes. 
I, uh, okay. the, the state okay. has the, the sort of final say. I don't know if that's what the court's going to say. I could see them saying that that would be in line with a lot of their decisions in the past few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be in line with Dobbs. It would be in line with uh, over and over the court has deferred to, to state governments. Uh, so I could see that. I, 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 uh, I don't know that that's what they'll do. I could also see them saying state governments shouldn't be tinkering with federal elections in quite this way, but I think that's a harder case to make, honestly. Uh, state governments are allowed to enforce the Constitution when it comes to uh, access to the ballot. So if someone wants to run for president and they're 18 years old, the state mm-hmm. is allowed to say no. Uh, the state is allowed to say, we will not put you on the ballot. You you can't say, but that's a federal office. You don't have say over that. You you can't uh, you can't. Okay, that makes sense. Ballot. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the court will do. I could I could see them going a lot of directions on this. I would imagine that they will take the position that causes them the least headache, uh, sure, but I don't sure. know what that is. No, someone's going to be unhappy no matter what. And again, I, I am far more concerned about the reactions of people to decisions rather than whether or not the decision itself is reasonable and balanced. Well, well I mean, let's take that direction then. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, again, you know, trying to predict what's going to cause the next riot is another thing that I always lose bets on. Uh, whenever I think that, you know, this is going to be the one that's the big one, uh, you know, I mean, there's a dozen protesters and everyone forgets about it. But then, you know, um, January 6th, I never saw that one coming. So, I yeah. mean, you know, do I mean, do you see this one as having enough juice to cause something, you know, like a public riot, like an armed riot, like, I mean, a mass riot? I, uh... Again, I'm bad at predictions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So the the court does not always tell us when they're releasing something. Sure. So January sixth, we knew what day they were reading the uh, uh, counting electoral ballots. Like that that was announced beforehand. Right. Uh, so that you could plan a rally on that day and have people there. Uh, you, it's harder to do that with Supreme Court decisions. Uh, I, again, some sometimes they will say we're deciding this on such and such a day. And sometimes they'll just say, we are reading decisions on these days, and there will be five of them over the course of a month, uh, and okay. you don't know what decisions they're going to read. So right. uh, unless they're going to stage a lot of rallies, yeah. uh, that that would be more of a challenge, uh, uh-huh. just having the people there to do that. You're not, I, I have yet to see a flash mob rally that turns into a riot. Yeah, that makes sense. And, I mean, even the January 6th, I mean, you know, there were two parallel events going on. I mean, there was the you know, the mass demonstration that had, you know, thousands of people. Right. And then there was the militia action, which is what right. I'm going to call it. You know, that was really, I mean, several dozen people with walkie-talkies and weapons that were going to storm the Capitol, and they had they had this planned out. This was not a spontaneous uprising. So, I mean, you know, I, 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 I take your point that, I mean, you know, if there is not a date uh, on which people can plan these things... Uh, and also, frankly, I mean, I and I, I haven't been following this since 2021, really. But I mean, I know that there was a lot of talk in the middle of 2021 about stepping up, uh, you know, federal law enforcement surveillance, frankly, of these militia groups, you know, so that they would know these things were coming. And I mean, it, it, it strikes me that trying to coordinate something that's a moving target on the calendar without being picked up by the FBI <laughs> I mean, I, again, I, I have under, underestimated these groups at my peril before, but I mean, that strikes me as something that is a level of organization that is 
greater than what January 6th required. Well, and I, again, I don't, this is not my area of expertise. I, I assume and I hope that there is more preparation, like more advanced preparation for that. Like if you see a big gathering of people waving around guns, uh, I hope yeah. there is more kind of ready response from the various powers that be uh, in D.C. or around the country or wherever. I mean, I suppose, uh, I suppose, will there be rioting in Denver is also a question that I just oh, I yeah, have the point answer taken. to. Yeah, I, I um, thought about that. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, Augusta, Maine, I guess. I, I don't do they riot in Maine. It's, it's pretty cold up there. I don't, I don't yeah, see that yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know. Well, and and I wonder too. I mean, you know, because um, I'm just thinking. I mean, you know, on January sixth, I mean, it was a a DC based riot. It was on a day that was known ahead of time that you know the the election was going to be certified. Um, I mean, is there an analogous? Well, I mean, l- l- I mean, let's think back to 2022. I mean, you know, was there? And I might have the year wrong. If I've got the year wrong here, correct me, Coyle. Uh, I mean, you know, I remember there being demonstrations in the wake of Dobbs and, in fact, in the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision. Uh, but, you know, I don't remember a single mass demonstration corresponding to that. Am I am I remembering that wrong? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, okay. I either there were demonstrations again. They did without knowing what I, although I think. If I remember right, that was the last day of the term. I'd have to go back and look, but uh-huh. the the la- of course, if it's the last day that they have scheduled for decisions, and you know they heard the case, then you know that's going to be the day. So that can that's okay. the one date where you can schedule. I don't remember if it actually was the last date or not, um, and maybe they were just planning. Maybe there was a big enough issue that they they uh, they protested all of them. I don't know, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, I. I don't remember, and I don't know. Uh, even even with the, some of the uh, the protesting at state capitals during COVID, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, which famously Michigan and I think Kentucky, where you have you know militia breaking into the capitals, even that was fairly small scale, uh, uh-huh. mostly mostly peaceful, right? Is I guess the phrase we're supposed to use. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if there was calculus going on where people decided just to, where authorities decided just to let it happen rather than have there be some kind of bloodbath. Just say, look, let them, let them take the capital rotunda for a little while. They'll get bored and go home. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I am rambling here because I don't know the answer to that question. Well, sure, sure. And, and I mean, I know that, I mean, you know, in that, I mean, the summer of 2020, I mean, you know, which is a necessary chapter of the story of January 6th, right? Uh, I mean, you know, there were uh, rioters in Indianapolis that discharged firearms, but I mean, they, other than in Indianapolis, that didn't make the news at all, right? That was not a national story. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that summer was so volatile that, you know, uh, frankly, I mean, you had to have a big riot to even get on the national news. Well, and, and obviously, January 6th was fundamentally different than even all of the rioting in the summer of uh, uh, of 2020, and I'm I'm not just saying that because I'm you know, not a Trump supporter, as my Trump supporting friends would accuse me of. It, it's uh, it's fundamentally different because it involves a disruption of our government, the same way rioting in Indianapolis or in Minnesota uh, or in Portland is the the one that Trump supporters like to look at, where they they attack a federal building, but it's it's just a federal building. I mean, there's oh, there's right, a lot right. of those. There's there's only one Congress. 
Uh, there's, yeah. there's only one counting of the Electoral College. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, and, I, and you know, and this is where, I mean, you know, the theological questions start to occur to me because, uh, you know, of course, you know, this this Monday as we're recording was, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, you know, I mean, one of the things about the summer of 2020 is that, you know, a a stray line in one of his speeches got quoted a lot that riots are the language of the unheard. Uh, and, you know, for several months, uh, you know, I mean, in certain circles, uh, you couldn't say bad things about riots because, you know, riots were the righteous, um, you know, reaction to people who were not heard by the system. But then, you know, when January 6th happens, you know, I mean, you know, and we talked about this on your show three years ago, uh, you know, the 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 part that amused me, I don't know if it amused everybody, but I'm a bad person, so I can be amused by it, uh, is that all of a sudden uh, those same circles wouldn't call what happened in January 2021 in Washington, D.C. a riot, uh, because, you know, for several months before, uh, riots had been lionized and therefore you know i mean they had to cast about for another word and of course what they landed on was insurrection um and you know it just stri- it, it it still strikes me as odd uh that you know we're in this moment where i mean you know the consensus that i remember and i might just not remember very well but growing up the consensus i remember is that, you know, once a demonstration, once a protest, once a public gathering involves the discharge of weapons, you have kind of lost your moral standing, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, there there was some disagreement about, you know, how much uh, destruction of property, you know, lost that moral standing. I mean, you know, if you left trash on the street, you're probably still all right, but if you start breaking windows and stealing TVs, you're probably not all right anymore, okay? Um, and I, and the theological turn that I, that I want to get to is, I mean, you know, because we are in an era where public protest, uh, I mean, has become just so so assumed, it's taken for granted, right? I mean, you know, is there any place for church discipline to distinguish between these kinds of public protests, right? Uh you know, I mean, I, I think of the medieval confessional manuals that would make distinctions between acts of war, right? You know, I mean, if you killed somebody who was a an enemy combatant, then you would be denied communion for a certain span of time. But if you killed a non-combatant, you would be denied communion for a longer span of time. And if you committed other violent crimes in the commission of war, it was even more, right? So, I mean, it, it strikes me that, you know, there is a Christian tradition or a strand of the Christian tradition that, you know, distinguishes among these things and says that, you know, um, the distinctions are not absolute, right? You know, it's not rioting or not rioting. It's not violence or not violence. It's not war or not war, but there are, you know, ways that we can distinguish among these actions, right? So, I mean, you know, as you think of it, Coyle, uh, and, you know, obviously both of us once again are, you know, just kind of rolling these ideas around. But I mean, you know, now that we don't have a, you know, a single regional church the way that there was in Western Europe during the Middle Ages, but we have 
scores and scores and hundreds and hundreds of churches. Is there any place for church discipline in these kinds of conversations? Yeah, so anyone listening to this show is statistically probably a part of a church that doesn't offer church discipline. Like, yeah, I mean, just yeah. like, doesn't matter, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, it doesn't matter. You are you are probably a member of a church who, who does not practice church discipline. So mm-hmm. I would say be very, very cautious because this is not the place to to start. Uh, it's it's it is going to look worse if your church's first case of church discipline in living memory is over a political issue, regardless of which point side taken. it's on. Point taken. So yeah. I would I would be super, super hesitant to do that. Uh, I would be more inclined to say this is uh, uh, what. With all of that said, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there is theological grounds mm-hmm. for thinking through that. Um, I, I would again, I would want to. I would want to be careful. I'd want to have you know the the elders of the church do that sort of carefully, slowly sure, over time. Sure. Come up with a policy on it. Uh, I I don't know if my church in D.C. had uh, rioting wasn't really a common thing when I lived there. Uh, uh-huh. it, it had been in the 60s and 70s, so maybe there actually was some policy, and I just didn't know about it. Right. Uh, but uh, I I do kind of wonder about that. I should I should email them and ask. Uh, I I would I would though be very very hesitant to do that. Instead, I would be more likely to say, look, just uh, just defer this to the the local government. Like if you have a church member mm-hmm. that is uh, in involved in rioting, uh, that might be the sort of thing where like if if you find out that they are you know, committing burglary, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you don't, you might, there's a church discipline issue that needs to eventually come into play there, but you don't necessarily start with that. You maybe start with letting the state handle it. Yeah. Uh, or sense. if you have a church member should the member that's doing something more morally ambiguous, you know, uh, uh-huh. harboring illegal immigrants, right? Uh, whatever your view on that issue. Uh, again, maybe, maybe the church says, yeah, we're not going to take a hard line on this, uh, we're we're going to just defer to we're going to defer to Caesar on this one, and then we'll respond appropriately after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I I'm I'm going to be super hesitant there. Uh, this is writing in general and ballot access. It is it is not a gospel issue to steal the language from our, our friends at the Gospel Coalition. It's not the incarnation <laughs> and it's not atonement. Uh-huh. Uh, so we can we can differ on those and still worship together. Okay. Um, Yeah, and I guess the distinction I would make is, I mean, you know, to actually partake, and partake, I mean, that that even sounds so so neutral, right? Uh, Or it sounds so weak. To commit acts of violence as part of a political cause, right? You know, strikes me as different from differing in political opinion or even voting differently, right? And and I I, I guess one of the examples that occurs to me is, I mean... And again, this is a, a different context because it is a it is a very powerful regional church. Uh, but I think of the Catholic bishops in Chile in the 1970s who would deny communion to people who were actually in the torture chambers of Pinochet, right? And you know what what strikes me there is, I mean, you know that is un, undeniably political, right? But it also strikes me as something that you know is a it's something that is rooted in, you know, personalism. It is rooted in, you know, uh, a refusal to, you know, be part of that state violence. Um, 
And, you know, I in, wonder, I mean... Sorry, you know, in we, the torture chambers, meaning torturers, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, because um, I was yeah. like, man, that that is, like, how wrapped up are the church and the state there? No, 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 no. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so, that, so, that threw so, yeah, me for a was, second. These were the days of, you know, the church being accused of being a left-wing danger to the state, right? Right. Uh, you know, I realized that in the ensuing 50 years, what's far more common is the, the accusation that the church is a right-wing danger to society. Uh, but, yeah, right. I mean, you know... Uh, so basically, yeah, I mean, if a, if a, what many priests were doing and not all of them in Chile by any means was saying that, uh, if you tortured human beings in behalf of the Pinochet regime, then you could not, then you were, you know, under church discipline, you were excommunicated and you had yeah. to be restored in, a, in, and, you know, part of that restoration was you had to remove yourself from that system in order to reestablish communion. Now, once again, I mean, you know, I realize that, you know, in southern Indiana, uh, you know, I mean, the people who are most likely to get in their vehicles and go to Washington, D.C. to riot are probably not the people who have bishops, <laughs> you know. Right, uh, right. So, I mean, you know, I realize that, I mean, even on that level, this is an unusual question, but, you know, Again, you know, one of the, I think that, you know, the extreme that you're talking about where, you know, you suddenly rediscover church discipline for a political matter is a danger. Yeah. I also wonder, though, and, you know, this this is where I, I always see a Scylla and a Charybdis everywhere I sail. Um, I wonder, I mean, you know, does, I mean, what kind of public presence does the church need to be as a church? Uh, you know, I mean when people are committing acts of violence in behalf of political causes. And, you know, I, I think that yeah. legally you, you got, you've got it right that, I mean, deferring to local authorities is the way to go. Is there a spiritual dimension to this though, that we need to attend to? Yeah. So, so again, uh, so, so much of that is going to be wrapped up because we're, we're really not talking about being a torturer for a dictator, right? That, that is a, right, right. that is a different thing than, uh, than being involved in the January 6th riot or the uh, Black Lives Matter riot in, in the summer of 2020, right? Those are sure, sure. those are two different categories. Presumably, you're you're going to care about what did you actually do and then what was your yeah. intention while while you were doing it. So the there is going to be a spiritual component there, and and it may be that repentance is going to be called for, right? Uh, that which uh -huh. which is the goal, right? That's what you're you're working for with church discipline. Yeah, but again, so, some of that is also so wrapped up in things that the church is just not equipped to sort through. So, it, mm -hmm. you know, even, even church discipline bodies, even if you have a church that exercises church discipline, it's not really designed to figure out, you know, were, were you there and throwing a brick or not, right? Uh, what, uh -huh. what was your intention when you threw it? Were you just caught up in mob mentality and you weren't really thinking just everyone was doing it and you weren't paying attention or you were going along with everyone else? Not that you tripped and fell and threw a brick, but again, it was oh, sure, mob sure, mentality sure. is a real thing. And, or and, and, and you were genuinely overcome with that occur in those medieval confessional manuals, right? right? You know, I mean, is there intent? Is there motive? Is there, you know, I mean, right. to to a large extent, I mean, you know, a lot of our criminal law categories find counterparts in those confessional manuals, right? So I I, I think the, uh, the the question behind your question, right, is mm -hmm. uh, is is it ever a sin? to riot or is it, or maybe the inverse, right? Is it ever not a sin to riot? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cause if it is, and, and, then, you know, and again, I, I think the danger that I see is that in Christian communities, 
right? I mean, you know, there are some that seem just calibrated to approve automatically of, for lack of a better term, you know, progressive type riots, you know? And then, you know, I mean, for the longest time, the opposite of that was churches that don't approve of rioting. But then, you know, what has taken the place is churches that approve of right-wing riots. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it strikes me as, you know, not necessarily, you know, is it a sin to riot, but, you know, is there spiritual harm that happens when, you know, we view our role in the world as inflicting violence on our neighbors so that we can achieve political ends? Right, although the, the charitable interpretation would be I am... I am inflicting this violence in defense of my neighbor, right? I'm I'm doing this because this is the the just. I I assume that's the the BLM right. Oh sure sure sure, and, and you know uh, that and uh, and it's the personalist opposition to that that I see slipping, right? Right. Uh, it's the idea that you know the human bodies that are harmed in those actions don't matter as much as the abstract cause. And right. I mean honestly, I think that is a that that's the spiritual question that haunts me more than. Is it a sin to riot? Does that does that distinction make sense? Sure, sure. And yeah, again, I I, I would want to be very cautious uh, in bringing kind of church discipline in, and I yeah I'd go on a case by case basis. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. not least because I'm a congregationalist when it comes to church government structure. So. Oh sure, sure. Of course, of course, I'm going to go on a case by case basis. But also, I I think that's the right answer because. It's just going to depend on what the person was doing and why they were there, and mm -hmm. are they repentant? Like, are uh, if there's if there's cause for repentance? So, oh, yeah. Sure. Sorry, I don't have a better answer. There's there's been a lot of I don't knows today. Oh, absolutely, and, and and honestly, I mean, I think that you know, part of you know, you you joked earlier. I can't remember if we were recording or not about you know the fact that neither one of us has answers to these things, and you know, uh, it's a good thing that we're the only ones talking about it because all these other people <laughs> who know so much stuff. You know, right. they, they've just been completely silent on these questions. Uh, well, you've but, you've uh, you've done the pastor thing. What what would you do if uh, one of your members comes oh. to you and says, you know, Joe, Joe Smith was uh, uh, was throwing bricks through windows down in uh, down in the uh, down on Main Street last weekend, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I confronted him about it, and he said he was there and he was proud of it. Uh -huh. So what do you what do you do as the pastor? Oh man. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, I'll go ahead and, you know, repeat what I've said on the network before. I'm not ordained. Uh, I have been a preacher before, but I was an interim preacher while the church was searching for a an ordained pastor. But, you know, I mean, my inclination would be, I mean, to enter into some kind of spiritual counseling about that because like I said, I mean, I I when I get nervous, uh one of the times I get nervous, not the only time. I'm a nervous person generally, but I mean, one of the things that makes me nervous, like I said, is when abstract causes become more important than human persons. And, you know, I mean, for that reason, I mean, you know, a lot of the things that I am most concerned with are those things, are those occasions, I'll put it that way, uh, when people are rationalizing violence, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, for that reason, you know, my my default is going to be to prefer Christians to be nonviolent in what we do. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that, I mean, you know, we still need to reason about those times when violence happens so we can distinguish between kinds of violence, just like the, you know, medieval confessional manuals did. But, you know, for this reason, I mean, you know, this shift that I see 
and it might be that you know I'm, I'm seeing things uh as bigger than they are right but the shift that i see to where more and more people are more and more willing to rationalize violence for the sake of abstract causes that strikes me as having spiritual character to it not merely legal character to it does that does that make some sense yeah well and and they're not unrelated right the the spiritual and the legal character are oh, sure, are sure. going to be tied together on that yeah uh, you're in a you're in very uh, very close danger of going full bore conservative here. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I, I I've heard that happens when we one gets old. <laughs> fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm not sure how we landed on riots from uh, from section three, but I suppose January sixth is our is our well, gateway yeah, there. Well, yeah, I mean you know the, well, I mean one of the questions is you know I mean what kinds of riots constitute insurrection, right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean you know the case that you made, I mean frankly. Um, unless one considers that ballot box that the congressional staffers carried out of the chamber to be a magic box in which the power of the president resides. I mean, I, 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 I think it's a thin case that it was a, an insurrection. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they clearly intended to alter what was going on there. So as, as far as that goes, yeah, but was it actually going to accomplish that? No, of course not. Right. I mean that. Right. Even if they'd managed to take the entire Congress hostage, right? A few good men, right? My my client was a moron. That's not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, even even if they'd taken the entire Congress hostage and forced them to do whatever whatever they were planning on doing, uh, it still still wouldn't have had the the result. But doesn't change the fact that that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I still consider January 6th a riot, not a, an insurrection, but I, I, I can understand the, the parameters of that case you're laying down. Well, and, and I mean, certainly, I, th I think, I haven't followed these cases closely, but I think what they're doing is they're going for uh, the easier convictions, so vandalism, trespassing, assault, I mean, the, the ones right. that are... killing a cop. Easier, yeah, 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 I mean, those are... Those are uh, those are more slam dunk in this case than the the more abstract. Were you were you trying to was this an actual existential th threat to the country? You know, brought into into the real world, or uh, are you trying to overthrow the government versus you know restore the government again? That that gets really complicated. But yeah, yeah. hey, you battered down the door of the Capitol building. Uh, that is at the very least vandalism and and probably more. Um, right, so right, and and you know intent to uh, illegally confine. You know, you had zip ties right. on you. Is easier right. to prove than intent to I don't whatever, know. whatever. Yeah, else, yeah, yeah. Stage a coup d'état, right? right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can definitely see that, and I mean, you know, I, honestly, I mean, the legal questions here are confounding enough. Uh, but you know, like I said, I mean, you know, that that's why I wanted to kind of bring up the spiritual questions because I mean, they strike me as important in different ways and and confounding in different ways. Yeah, and again, I, I I don't have clear answers for those either. So uh, yeah, it, yeah, it sounds like we're uh, we're all in kind of the fuzzy fuzzy realm here of new territory. Right, right. Which... But, but but honestly, I mean, what I haven't heard a lot of is even people raising those questions, right? Right. Uh, and I mean, you know, that's that's one of the things that concerns me most is when, you know, the. I guess all of the conversation is, you know, these people think their rights are good. These people think their rights are good. And then, you know, I mean, as, as you noted, uh, Gilmore, who is slowly becoming the old conservative, saying, well, why, why are we saying that riots are good? <laughs> you know, the, uh, right. when, when did that become what we say? 
Oh yeah, and I'm I mean I'm still on team riots are always bad. Like yeah, I yeah. protest all you want. The second that first brick gets thrown, that's when the tear gas needs to come out. But again, that's that that wasn't that wasn't exactly the question. It was do you discipline the uh, the person uh, as church right, discipline? Right. Well, well and, and, you know, I, I use church discipline just because there are historical precedents for church sure. discipline for public violence, right? Sure. And I mean, you know, I think the case that you made is a valid one that this is a different kind of political violence than killing someone in the War of the Crown or torturing someone in Pinochet's torture chambers. But, you know, the the common thread there is something that, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to work out, right? I mean, you know, that act of, and, you know, there are acts of criminal violence that, you know, are, are less controversial, right? Right. Uh, but, you know, when the the violence becomes rationalized, like I said, I think I'll come back to that word. That's when it worries me in a way even more than an act of criminal violence does. Right. Right. Yeah. And again, I don't I don't have an answer. <laughs> but at least um, we're posing the questions. There you go. Uh, well, anything else you wanted to bring up? We're, we're coming up on an hour, so we should. Uh, yeah, we should yeah, yeah. Be... No, no. Like I said, I mean, you know, I uh, I, I think that, you know. My uh, my role as it is developing here on City of Man is to, uh, you know, come on the show, pose impossible questions, and then uh, say, I've got a, I've got a hunch that we should do something. I'm just not sure what it is. <laughs> well, and uh, and I think my role is to uh, to pitch those questions back to you because I don't have the answer. So uh... <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, uh, with that, we should uh, we should wrap things up and yep. I will turn it over to our canned outro. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the City of Man podcast. The City of Man is part of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Our press liaison is Kristen Philippic. Please check out the other podcasts in our family and get more information about this show or our show notes by visiting ChristianHumanist.org. Please also leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find our show, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash City of Man podcast, or get in touch with us at City of Man podcast at gmail.com. This is Coyle Neal reminding you to render unto Caesar those things that are Caesar's and render unto God those things that are God's. This land is your land and this land is my land from the California to the New York Island and the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters this land was made for you and me as I went a-walking that ribbon of highway